Hey everyone, welcome back to Commander Crunch. Before we get started today, just a quick dropping in to let you know that this beautiful, amazing, delicious, crunchy podcast is brought to you by both puremtgo.com, where you can find articles on all different formats of magic, and of course, Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, because if you're in Australia, New Zealand, or Malaysia, go there for all of your auction needs. Now, on to the damn podcast. Welcome to Commander Crunch episode 10. We're here for a Zendikar holiday. Uh, just me and Chesh this week, but uh, you're here for your nutritious serving of tasty Commander treats on the regular. Uh, we're all about the community, the culture, and the creativity of our favorite format. And then everything that comes up around that in the wonderful tangential sphere. And then we've got some entertainment and pop culture discussions for ancillary influences of course but you know why you're here uh i am sam and i'm joined by the most wonderful uh enigma of a person cheshy chesh how you doing chesh oh goodness calling me the enigma of a person makes me think i'm jeff hardy now i just want to swanton off like you know ladders who's saying you're not jeff hardy and that you do not have that in your uh, <laughs> your history of things because right now I'm, i wouldn't I'm even be surprised i'm pretty sure i do uh, a sum zero of zero drugs so i'm definitely not jeff hardy true but even just an amateur <laughs> wrestling circuit somewhere along the line i wouldn't be surprised i'd see i was going to start off this podcast by saying hey baby i've got hedron crabs you want to see my landfall i dig that i dig that <laughs> yeah vote one hedron crab that's cool that's cool so uh yeah well, i mean we've we're here Again, it, it seems not lonely. No, not at all. It's it's just it's intimate because it's just me and Jesh this week. We we seem to be always surrounded by super cool people across the gro- the globe uh, that that aren't from Australia. Uh, but we've got a lot of news that came out this week. Of course, mm-hmm. if you listen to the last episode, Gavin was on. Gavin Verhey, senior magic at well, senior designer for I guess just magic, but Wizards of the Coast, and that was a that was a huge moment. Awesome to talk to him. He literally said though. Uh, move move this uh, kind of ep- episode to release around whatever happens on Tuesday. And well, that's fine. We'll do that. Uh, I didn't know what was coming out on Tuesday, but of course the the big old Zendikar Rising preview show came out, and that was just an absolute bevy of of, of things that have continued across the week as far as spoilers, things like that. But the roadmap to what's happening with Magic uh, over the next year, so especially twenty twenty one, and you know. We've felt a little bit inundated with stuff to take in as information for, for the great game we play literally for the last year or two, and this was no different. This was just – there was so much to process. So I think we're just hanging out today. We're, we're just going to try and unpack a few things there, some of our thoughts. So, um, yeah, well, do you want to – I think, first of all, I guess before we get into the meat and potatoes, uh, I, I'm actually going to go back to Brewer's Notations, the uh, the old format um, uh, staple that we had in, in our kind of episode structure that it took a side, uh, you know, a sidecar to what we're usually talking about and we haven't talked about a for a while. Sidecar to Desire? Yeah. Hey. Why do I know a sidecar to Desire? Is that a band? Is that a... No, no it's a play. Oh. All a right. sidecar? No, that's a streetcar called, called Desire. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a book, right? Uh, and a play. Yeah. I just remember it off the list of books we studied at school and uh, it was not one <laughs> of the ones we did. But yes, yes. 
For some reason, it's like I meant streetcar, whatever. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was up the tree with different analogies. Anyway. <laughs> Let me just put on these J sneakers. Oh, <laughs> there you go. So you had to just fit that in there, didn't you? The weird K Swiss J exclusive sneakers that everyone's raving about that they didn't get, and they're really frustrated. But I don't know. What do you think of? Them? I mean, sneaker flippers. Well, exactly. You said that, and I was like, this. <laughs> <laughs> makes a lot of sense for Zendikar. I'm sure I'd want those, then, little, those dorky sneaker booties that I could swim with. they started popping up on eBay for like $450, yeah. $500 I'm not a surprised. Pair. How many did they sell? Probably like a 1000 or something. I, don't, yeah, I exactly. didn't really follow it, but yes, exactly. Um, what do I think of them? I think they looked really, really cool. Oh, really? Like all, all things aside... Being, you know, completely and utterly dorky in the blue white, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I dig I got em. magic sneakers. <laughs> I dig them. I dig them. Yeah, cool. I dig like weird magic products that aren't Magic the Gathering. Like at yes. one point, they had these like really cool hoodies that they were doing, and sure, they do hoodies now, kind of through like a third party. But we're talking like official Magic ones with like shitty um, JPEG Shivan Dragon printed on the back, like really badly. Via like an inkjet printer. I'm not kidding. That like, sounds so bad. It's good. Terrible. Um, at one point, they were doing uh, ink transfers, like iron-on transfers, that they were doing themselves out of their head office and sending out to people, and they looked fucking horrendous. <laughs> but you know what? They're really cool because that kind of shit is amazing. Uh, I've got a USB like low, hanging around here somewhere. Lo-fi culture, is, you know. Yeah, well, I've got a USB hanging around here somewhere, which is from. When they first released uh, Jewels of the Planeswalkers. Oh, yeah. I don't know where it is, but it's a shitty little USB with hardly any storage on it. But it's got like a cool life counter card on it. It's a, it's a life counter. Like, what? You know, yeah. But you can store your files on it. Yeah. <laughs> why? This because stuff's wild. I love it. it had a copy of the game on it. Yeah. It had a copy of Jewels of the Planeswalkers for PC. <laughs> you know? Uh, but it's stuff like that that just I think is really cool, and and the shoes as dorky as they are, and they are fucking dorky, <laughs> but they are the cool kind of dorky that you know you know people are going to absolutely fall in love with because <laughs> a it's it's Jace, uh, and yeah. b they're just cool looking shoes. But no, I agree that they're, they're kind of one of those uh, weird oddities and artifacts of of magic history and paraphernalia that will wind up in someone's odd collection of that spans 20 plus years of just everything they've made. I just think of, I mean, the Star Wars collections that people have. This is a Boba mm-hmm. Fett lunchbox, that kind of stuff. So someone's going to have the case with sneakers and pay an exorbitant amount for them. So, yeah, well, I mean. Look, let's put it into perspective. Um, I I used to know a guy who had every Kiss memorabilia item mm, ever made. Yeah, exactly. Every single one. Uh, this is the same guy who once took a flight to America to secure, I'm not kidding you, a whole pallet load of memorabilia direct from Stanley. Wow. So don't don't ever count out people and their ridiculous love for memorabilia regardless exactly. of how weird it is. They will hunt it, they will find yep. it, they will get it, and they will bring it into their country for sure. People and these shoes are no different. People are obsessed with different things, and, and I mean, mm-hmm. obsessed with the card game, but just in varying degrees, of course. So, uh, no, not not criticizing that at all. It was just a funny little uh, aside to what happened uh, with with all the announcements this week. There was really just some cool. shoes I came out them. too. So, yeah, strange. <laughs> I didn't not, did not expect we'd spend five minutes talking about the, the J shoes, but that's fine. Yeah, just sort of dropped in. So, <laughs> but as I said, 
We'll, uh, Brewers notations. Heading back to uh, yeah, exactly Brewers, Brewers notations. Uh, just our little uh, kind of weekly book club on what we've been looking at deck wise, that kind of thing. Uh, Chess, you've got something you've you've got on the run. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, super gross. Uh, all right, so uh, Ukima and Kuzar or Kazur, I should say, um, food chain deck. So super gross. Uh, more on the budget side of CEDH, mm. more on the high level side of EDH, probably, I'd say probably an eight or a nine easily uh, on the power level for this particular deck because it has so many tutors to do what it does. Uh, and it's the feud chain deck that you've always been accustomed to that you hate, mm-hmm. uh, you know, using either Mist Holographin or Eternal Scourge to exile and then play from exile and, you know, accrue an extra mana every time. Um, but now you have Ukima, so <laughs> when Ukima dies, you know, funnily enough, or leaves the battlefield, I should say, deals damage to target player. So you can just, like, infinite go off and just kill people with it. And it's a whale wolf, and I'm probably going to play the deck once and scrap it, but you know what? I built it. The deck tech is up there on YouTube. Have at it. Exactly. It's gross. And, and I just see it as... This is the kind of wacky stuff you can do with these partner commanders that just came out in the latest commander set that I mean to pick up because I think they're pretty spicy and, and cool. Not to, not to say you uh, have to put your whale wolf into making a uh, kind of crazy infinite combo that is a little bit oppressive, but, you know, it is what it is and commander means different things to different people. So uh, I'm actually super keen to watch that uh, and then you even talk about whether we play it on the uh the, the next command of the distancing but probably not mm-hmm. i think we'll find something more on the level playing field of course but yeah, I, I think that's much. what uh this week's going to take up a little bit more of which is thinking about what what i know you want to play we've got nick from mtg lexicon coming on uh haven't played with caitlin for ages uh, it'll be nice mm-hmm. kind of a bit of a reunion uh and, and i haven't played any uh on camera edh for ages so super keen for it but uh the, the thing i was looking at this is probably against my better judgment for what to play on <laughs> such an occasion but of course i i ripped a box of jumpstart recently and to our uh listeners and friends in the states i know it sounds really uh you know luxurious to have boxes of jumpstart just all around us and you know that kind of thing but uh sorry <laughs> you'll get your jumpstart boxes soon I, it's not a limited print run they will catch up and and you guys will get to uh find those for a normal price hopefully very soon uh lo and behold it was a really good box there's some really valuable stuff there but more importantly just a bunch of commander stuff i wanted to uh to play so one of those was, remember episode two, Jason Alt said about uh, the Ineas deck would, would be the most mm-hmm. 75% deck ever. Uh, I completely agree. I think it would be super cool. There's a few ways you can take it. Um, of course, the the kind of card reads, where is it? Do I have to bring it up in front of me? But it's a five-mana gin that basically just can pump your flyers. I'm not looking at that kind of thing, but it's more that if you attack with three flyers, you can then do a bit of a rotisserie kind of exchange permanence in a weird switcheroo kind of way. So basically you choose what uh, a permanent that each person to the left, I think, owns and then well, right doesn't really matter, but basically we just all cycle a permanent. So I, I think that's super cool as a weird way it can be removal, as a weird way it can be mix up some games. Uh, I, I think a couple of people compared it to Zedru as a worse version, but I don't agree. I think you can do some some different cool stuff there. Uh, the way I was actually looking at it was all the things that have flying that I need to satisfy the trigger as, as three creatures attacking at the same time. 
and other things I can do with there and uh, with those. And if there's a collective theme there, I actually found hate bears, dude. <laughs> it's like I don't Ooh. I don't want to be too oppressive or anything, but there's the type of things that you can throw people back a little bit uh, when they thought it was completely clear to do things like search their library or uh, trying to think of another one, do ETB stuff. Uh, and there's a bunch of stuff like um, Hushwing Griff, I think it is. The Then there's also, um, what's he called? The You'll know the one. The Hour of Redevastation and Time Spiral, I'm pretty sure, bird that uh, saves you from or means you can't search your library. Which one that is? Oh, um, what's he called? I'm losing. I'm losing my mind. I can't even remember the card names anymore. No, I don't remember. No, that's fine. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna hate myself for uh, for forgetting that one because I love that bird. But basically, there's there's a bunch of almost hate bear effects on some of these flies, which is kind of spicy. I don't want to be too oppressive or staxy. That's not the point. Just to kind of set people back a little bit. Um, not even to a grand or uh, grand arbiter Augustine the fifth kind of way. It's uh, fifth, fourth. Don't know what it is. Uh, just to kind of mix up the game and then shuffle around some permanents. Now, the reason I said it is it's probably against my oh, bed. Oh, yeah. Aven Mind Sensor. Aven Mind Sensor. Love that birdo. So, I always find Aven Mind Sensor is probably a little bit underplayed and it's a lot of fun just to shove into a game, you know, in response to something, you know, someone triggering a fetch land or something. And, mm. uh, oh, I've got to look at my top four. That sucks. Uh, and it's a funny little side road to your key, uh, your EDH games where everyone thought the path was clear to do whatever they want and you can kind of dictate the flow of a lot of things. So I was going to do that just to slow things down then have a bit of fun like exchanging permanents and things like that. At the end of the day, if I'm going to win, I'm still going to peck someone's eyes out with seagulls and that's one of my favorite things to do in Magic. So I'm all keen. So as I said, that I don't know if it's the best thing to play on stream. I don't even care. It's going to be fun because we're, we're exchanging permanents but... As I've said before, Chesh and I figured it out on stream. It's fine, you know. We'll go. This just owns. This belongs to you, even though it's on my screen. We'll figure it out, kind of thing. So I think it'd be kind of funky. So there's a few other commanders in there I've looked at. I think uh, Naeth's pretty funky. Uh, has some some cool things, but probably a bit more linear. But we'll see. So I, I might brew a few this week, and then next weekend we're ready to roll. So yeah. I think that's about it, Chesh, uh, for Brewers Notations. But uh, let's, yeah, let's move. Yeah, pretty excited to, uh, to see what we brew up and play, to be honest. Yeah, totally. I'm just keen to play. And like I say, the the camera comes in this week. I can still play my phone. I know that. But the camera is, is going to make that a, a lot better, I think. Uh, and then I've just got so much, you know, EDH to get out of my system. It's not funny. So I'll be hitting up a lot of people for that. So uh, anywho, we're, we're off to the meat and potatoes of this episode. All the announcements that came out last Tuesday, Wednesday our time, I'm pretty sure, because the US uh, is in a wicked time warp compared to us. Uh, but as Gavin said, there was the big Zendikar Rising preview show. Uh, did you watch this, Chesh? Nope. Or did you, you probably just heard pretty much as it always goes, the video is then fragmented and basically dissected and delivered as jpegs for everyone else to kind of dissect anyway so uh that's that's most of what i saw i actually only actually watched the zendikar rising preview show youtube uh, clip today and i saw that's what mm-hmm. it's about it's basically jimmy wong um and, and a few other folks uh, across wizards announcing all the crazy stuff coming out uh jimmy was dressed up as like an indiana jones kind of thing in a zendikar place we're off for adventure in in the new zendikar realm i think after Battle for Zendikar and Oath of the Gate, watch a few people are tentative about how good it's going to be and whether it's ever going to 
feel like the original Zendikar, but whatever. I think so far we've seen a good portion of the set spoiled this week, which has been pretty cool. Yeah. But we'll talk about that in a second and I think more importantly just a few standout cards and things that have piqued our attention in the commander sphere. Uh, but within this video was, of course, the then the roadmap to what, it, what Wizards are planning and releasing, pretty much the release schedule for 2021, which is pretty wild. There's, there's some crazy stuff to unpack. So do you want to just we'll pull it up, Chet, and uh, kind of run through the one, two, three, four, five, six sets we've got to look for for 2021? Sure. Yeah. So uh, the first one we have is Kelheim. Kelheim. Uh, not not to be confused with Niflheim. Mm. Um, sure. This is not the land of frost gods, although I'm sure we will see frost giants. Oh, totally. Um, this is like a Viking themed set. Um, now there's been a bit of talk about white supremacy clinging onto Viking themes, and I get it. I get it. Just back off, though. Yeah, pretty like, gross, pretty gross stuff. Also, it's yeah. There's some some pretty gross stuff out there where people have just like uh, you know looked at Vikings incredibly the wrong way. Yeah. Um, and it's mostly due to white history problems, as we know. A white history problem um, is when uh, history has been crafted and molded by somebody who is white who thinks that they know the right thing. But as we're learning now, a lot of that history is being changed, um, such as Viking women mm-hmm. actually did join raiding parties. They did go on the longboats. They found Viking women being buried with their weapons. They know that Viking women were fierce in battle. Um, this is something that we've, we've learned in the last 10 years. Yeah. So <laughs> there's lots of different stuff we didn't know about Vikings that we're still learning. I'm hoping that this set will not only deal with the mortal realm for Vikings. Yeah. But also Valhalla. Of course, of course. Um, so I'm expecting a graveyard theme for this set. Which feels um, like it could be like a Therosy type thing, but who knows? They will, I know they won't recycle that exact thing, but, you know, they've, they've proven lately that some of the mechanics and, and interesting design spaces they've been going down have been really refreshing and new. So I'm looking forward exactly. to some cool stuff for sure. But uh, I think we'll see a lot of weapons, a lot of artifact weapons yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also expect the return of some vehicles. Don't don't quote me on that. Mm, yeah, um, true, true. But I would love to see like actual Viking longships and different styles of Viking longships. It would be great for sure. Um, but we'll see. Uh, the next one up. I was going to say. Oh, before, I, how do you feel? Well, before about- we before we move on to that, I was I was just yeah. I just had a random thought as far as how you could represent the um, like Valhalla as a, as a separate realm to the the mortal realm. Could you go back to like a uh, Shaharazad play under the table? No. <laughs> there's two reasons for this. I know, I know um, you can't. It's a dumb idea, but I, yeah. I kind of love it. Well, there's two reasons for this. Number one, breaking the game. Yes. As Shaharazad does. <laughs> um, but the, the, the main reason is because they actually did try something similar uh, with um, oh, oh, the... the, the one of the unsets. Damn it. The set with the Nicobolus. Oh, no, he, not the Nicobolus standalone arch enemy one. Or no, you're no. talking about our or the standard set. Amonkhet and yes, yes, the Amonkhet sets. So with that cycle, they actually were trying to do an underworld realm kind of like <laughs> subset, like yeah. subplay, so that you would have like 
two different battlefields. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was like. This could be so really wacky. Like, you go d- to a different, yeah. literally physical well, place, but yeah. You just nailed why they didn't do it. This could be really wacky. <laughs> you know and why people playing wacky. under the table? <laughs> yeah, because it was too confusing having two battlefields. Totally. Having to try and keep control of two battlefields with, you know, half your cards being flipped over because they're in the, the, yeah, the yeah. underworld. Oh, they're going to flip and them. And then mm. half of them face up on the overworld. That, right? could, that could look like so a poker it, dealer or something. You're just flipping yeah. cards. Yeah, wow. Far so out. there is a chance that they may still do that with this set. Mm. I highly doubt it. I think what more you're going to see is you're going to see things happening outside the game. In other words, you're going to have like Ooh. creatures and lands and stuff that have been removed from the game yeah. and will affect the game somehow that way or maybe even come back into the game and the only way that they could probably be played is if they're outside the game. Yeah, kind of so messing have- with the exile zone in a weird way. Exactly. Or it could be another one. Um, Who knows? But yeah. And this might even tie into the way that, you know, we're seeing the spell lands happening with Zendikar. Mm. Think of it this way. If you cast a spell, right, and then that spell exiled, and then you had to ch- the chance to flip that card over and it to land on the back and then play it from outside the game. Oh, so you've got your, su- your sub kind of realm. Yes. That's cool. Oh, So Jewish. cast the spell, exile it, and then later on when you need it, Play it as your land for the turn into the battlefield, probably tapped. Interesting. Not necessarily because you're already paying extra costs by actually having to play the spell to get it removed from the game. Yeah. Um, but some sort of land spell situation like that where it's like you have the option to play it from outside the game. Now, it could even be a spell creature mm. where you cast the spell and then you can recast the creature side from exile. Like an adventure There's anyway or something. There's of stuff yeah, exactly. that you can do with, like, Viking stuff. Will they do it? Time will tell. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, the last few sets, they've, they've, they've got pretty adventurous with uh, trying really, really aggressively new things anyway and, and new mm-hmm. card types. But as it always happens too, there's you straddle that line of uh, is more opportunity in different card spaces just completely then ubiquitously broken uh we'll find out so i mean more for things like standard you know those kind of formats where we've found that having two cards on one card is just too good not to play those kind of things Mm -hmm. so well and that's another thing i'll probably might even get into with the zendikar stuff that i'm really interested to see how this all plays out when we start to blend a few card types together uh it it gets to the point where it is it just too good not to run that kind of thing so next one anyway yeah. chesh what's on the list for 2021 so that was q1 that i think they're looking at and then uh yeah that's q1 so we also have time spiral remastered yeah why <laughs> i don't know nostalgia <laughs> Look, i mean players love nostalgia. i missed the first time spiral yeah admittedly so i don't have a lot of love for the set yeah um there was some cool stuff there was some really cool design space when it came to how the cards looked that were time shifted. Mm. Oh yeah. And definitely, I have definitely. a feeling that magic has advanced so much that we will see time shifted stuff in this set that actually will come out in future sets in the same vein, like yeah, looking the same. They'll have a, the same look. It's a new look at time so, shifted stuff. Yeah. That, I think that'll make a lot of sense to rather kind of than test the waters. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they've showed anyway, like the, the ammo kit remastered, um, the whole point of remastering a set anyway is to have a, a modern view on it and things will change for sure. So mm-hmm. that's that's a really interesting... I, would, I actually want to hold you to that. I think that's that's bang on. Yeah. That, that, the that's probably what they'll is, do. This seems like it isn't going to be a standard set. This oh, no. is going to be a supplemental set. 
So, imagine if they do Time Spiral Commander. Mm-hmm. Which is quite possible. Ooh, yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah. That'd be wacky as. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the thing. On Twitter, when, when Gavin was talking about it, I saw so many people were like, I want this and this border. You know, the the certain commander in, in the old border. There's such an appetite for nostalgia and old borders, that kind of thing. So, I mean, the, the whole thing with Time Spiral anyway was the wacky mechanics, especially as a as a kind of testing space to print one card with one mechanic that doesn't have to appear anywhere else because it's the whole pretense that it is just a time spiral who knows it's just a whirlwind of exactly. stuff and and that's that's really you know, fun because the, the the kind of shackles are off that you can do what you want and we've seen it i mean modern horizons was one of those kind of sets that felt a little bit that way and i'm really i really appreciate that set for existing that was really cool because there's so many mechanics going on but then You've got, of course, got the mystery boosters, which had just a, a few time spiral cards, a bit of everything. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Speaking of, because mm-hmm. you just hit it on the ne- on very much on the head, time spiral, time shenanigans. Yes. Who who in the magic law is the biggest issue with how time works? Teffy. Nope. Or he's. Uh... Do you mean narrative, narratively? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. You'll probably know better, aren't you? Urza. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yes. So, I, I think that here we will see a possibility for another Urza card. Yeah, true. Um, In a crazy frame that we haven't get seen yet. And Urza Planeswalker, finally, like everyone's been screaming for. That is not just a floating um, head. Correct. And I have a feeling that it's going to be phasing. Now, I say yeah, this because... True. We'll touch on it later with the whole kicker thing. Yeah. But kicker's coming back in Zendikar, in the Rise of Zendikar, and it's on a Planeswalker. Mm. So that says to me, how long is it going to be before we get phasing and stuff like that on Planeswalkers I mean, as well? Phasing was on, te- would be- was on the last Teffy as an effect. So, I mean, the precedent has been set mm-hmm. anyway. But uh, it's definitely shown lately that phasing is part of the appetite and, and it's sometimes actually the elegant solution to some problems of how to do things, i.e. oubliette. Uh, and also giving things phasing because it's too problematic to not have it, such as a very powerful Planeswalker in a set like Time Spiral Remastered. Yeah. So oh, that's, I like that's it. I like my call. It. I, I don't know if it's going to happen again. Don't don't quote me on that, but that's my call. I think like, I, that's what I would do. These are just cool speculative explorations anyway, so I think they're, mm. they're a bit of fun to have and, and always very keen to hear what you think about these. So speaking of... Next one uh, on Q2, it looks like it's lined up to be Strixhaven School of Mages with a really cool little Strix as the uh, set symbol. That's what we can expect. Uh, hope- but is it a baleful Strix? Uh, it kind of looks like it. It's just a bird, <laughs> you know. But all I can think of is Harry Potter. Harry Potter? Yeah. J- <laughs> j- scared Ballerin. <laughs> just just Jason, Chandra and friends solving mysteries and doing kind of classroom antics and that kind of thing. I just can't not think that. I think, I think that's what people are thinking too. But uh, what are your thoughts on Strixhaven? Uh, given that we've only just been given a word mark and which a logo and a name and our kind of imaginations are going wild. So I always wanted to make a wizard deck in EDH that wasn't super gross because every EDH wizard's focus deck has seemed to be super gross. I mean, yeah, you've got your Anala's, you've got... I mean, what about N- Naban? Naban's pretty cool. That's mono blue. You restrict I mean, it somewhat. You just pay a on for your uh, your wizards. Kind of fun. Yeah. Sure. Narumeha? I don't know. But yes. 
we're going to see a lot of wizards in this one, no doubt. Well, I mean, we're going to see familiars, um, which is something we haven't seen for a while. I think they are all reclassified as actual creature types. Yes. Um, but you used to have like, like blood pet. I think at one point was called a familiar. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's it's interesting design space again because there might be something that says that like you know when something is in your command zone. So like you might have a familiar that gets more powerful if you have something in your command zone. So That's it's true. a way that they could worm the command zone into a standard set. Just rework companion. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and that's the other thing, right? Like, it's not your companion, though. Like, no, exactly. It's your familiar. It's there's a big difference between companion mm-hmm. and familiar, um, and that's why I think that you know, going with a command zone and using a familiar would be really cool design space. That's actually really. Cool, Will they yeah. do it? Pro- probably not, to be honest. But uh, that's my hope for it. Yeah. Um, more majors, sure. Blue's going to get better? Yeah. I mean, that's just a given, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, over the last two years, blue has progressively just become the domination color. Well, green is, as well, but that that definitely goes without saying. Green's getting some juice in this one, too, but, you know, that happens with every set, for sure. I, I like what you say about familiars, though. I mean, some of the... I feel like familiars, the last set, was that... Uh, what set? That's not Time Spiral. Plane Shift. Uh, were some of my favorite cards... Um, that I feel like no one else plays. So Stormscape Familiar is my favorite. Even looks like the one, the logo of uh, of Strixhaven. It is an owl. It's a creature bird flying, white spells and black spells you cost uh, you play cost one less to play. And it's a one and a blue for a one one bird. It's amazing. Why don't people play this card more? And and there's a whole people don't remember it exists. There's a whole cycle of them too. Thornscape familiar is an insect, one in the green, red and red and white spells you play cost one less to play for a one one mm-hmm. one one insect, I believe. No, two one. because uh, he doesn't fly. But Thunderscape is a carvu, so on and so forth. Nightscape is I oh know yeah, that one that one works through it. There's a nightscape, which is a black one. But you, basically the whole cycle of these for multicolored decks, if you're playing any of these colours, I'd even say Blue and white deck plays um, Stormscape Familiar for sure. You're going to get a reduction on your spells. It's amazing. This is this is a, the type of effect for like a cloud key or something. People play a premium, pay a premium for. So it, it's quite amazing that I just never see this around, and I've been mean to stock up on more. But I mean, that's that's those kind of cards in a in a vacuum. But what you're talking about as using a familiar as a, a thematic kind of uh, mechanical space is really really cool. So. Interesting. I'm really stoked that you have. Yeah, I mean, because you can get a win-win. Exactly, and I think oh, you've got a scorching hot take on each of these, which I'm just happy to listen to because I don't know what to expect from each of these, and I, I think the game designer mind in you is, is is thinking about how this could work and also how to evolve the game, which is super cool. So, speaking of Dungeons oh, and Dragons, yeah. Adventures in the Forgotten Realms is the next one. <laughs> hey, magical bag of holding is back. Yeah. Well, that was testing the waters, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, As were a few this is going to be well. This is going to be interesting. We discuss this, you know, outside of the podcast about um, the unset and the sort of Dungeons and Dragons, yes. which obviously can't be reprinted in standard. No way, um, because it's it's just too good, and it's too uh, it's too this, weird, like thematically too. It's got a friggin' dice on it, like it's just it, yeah. it belongs somewhere else. Well, this to me is a good way to print or reprint all of the mythic swords in Magic. Hey, yeah. But also, this means that you can chuck in a whole bunch of D&D creatures, yeah. like chest mimics, 
Uh, Ooh, that's the, that's the holders, Dark Souls stuff like, too. That they they got inspired by chess yeah. mimics. Chess mimics are awesome. Like heaps of skeletons. I don't. I really don't know what they do with this. But if I was wizards, I'd be looking back again at the commander angle, mm. and I'd be wrangling the command zone into standard because. How many classes are there in Dungeons and Dragons now? Yeah. Why not? Why not in Magic have something that acts like your class leader that is leading your deck? That is your class. You have have a party kind of thing. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, look, for me, I would go, let's say you're a barbarian, Mm -hmm. right? So, the Barbarian is, let's just say, um, oh, what's his name? The red guy. Oh, Kamal. Yeah, Kamal. Kamal. Pitfighter, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, let's say that you have Kamal, right? Mm-hmm. And Kamal's text is something like, uh, as long as this card is in your command zone, mm-hmm. and I know that people are going to hate me for this because everyone hates, you know, the certain vampire leader, but still, if this card is in your command zone... Right, one limit one per deck, obviously. Yep. But uh, if this card is in your command zone, your red creatures and we probably say red and white creatures get plus one plus zero oh in haste. Ooh. Right, Ooh. and equipment spell casts you one less to equip to your red and white creatures. Something like that, exactly. So, like, the the cool thing here is that there's a lot you can do, but I feel like if you lean heavy on the aspect of Dungeons and Dragons, while not breaking the game, mm. but lean heavy on it, you're going to have a lot more fun with, hey, it's Dungeons and Dragons, it's themed towards Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, we know that it's in a magic set that's standard legal, so we don't want to break the game, exactly. but we want to do something that feels like Dungeons and Dragons because we want to get the crossover. And, and we want to sell to both play people. And the key, <laughs> the key there is the feels because I think you can make cards that are thematically like something or they're reminiscent just based on the art, that kind of thing. But there's the real objective and, and home run of any of these is when it feels like you're doing a certain action. And I don't have the best example in my mind right now, but I know there's certain cards that if they're designed really well, top down, whatever, they feel like you're doing that action. And um, I mean, it mm-hmm. almost goes back to, we talk about the gingerbread man, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, gingerbread. Gingerbread, exactly. That, that is excellent. Elegant design. You feel like you're doing things. So uh, it's, it's also, you talk about the party in there uh, and there's a few precedents being set in previous sets that say we're kind of digging into the appetite and, and seeing if like testing the appetite of Dungeons and Dragons related material and of course, one was an unset, a Hascon, I think, promo, the, the Sword Dungeons and Dragons. The Bag of Holding appeared in a core set recently. Magic essentially was designed as a game that could be a, a card version, a, light, a watered down card version of Dungeons and Dragons. And it kind of mm-hmm. it, it makes sense that they're, they're making this connection now, but we'll see how much it really gels into one and and you know i mean for a while anyway the, there's dungeons and dragons books of ravnica and, and the like so you know it's, it's quite natural to see this kind of connection so i don't know see how that all goes for sure but uh what do we got next chesh um modern horizons 2 yeah it's really dark on that jpeg i can't even see it but um yeah yeah it's <laughs> real dark 
But, uh, what are they going to do with this? I, I got no idea. Maybe, like, if you have a look, maybe add... No, because we've already done, like... <laughs> I guess we've already partially done the weather light. Because I was thinking, like, maybe if you do, like, Gerard Capuchin. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And, like, History of Dominaria and the weather light. The well, how, mu- how much of a theme did Modern Horizons 1 have? Like, it was the not snow not, that not was not a big thing. No, not really. It was more, I think, just a really well-designed... Uh, limited set and things introducing some new things for modern that were quite amazing. Um, Red and Six was pretty funny. Uh, but there's there's just a bunch of stuff there that introduced new angles to modern. Uh, not that modern's like a huge priority, I don't think, anymore, but this is kind of just off the, the, the coattails of how good the first one was. The big one, the only real main thing they've said about this one is it's where they're going to print the fetch lands. <laughs> so that's a whole thing. Uh, I I don't have the strongest opinions of it, but uh, do we want to go into that now, or do we want to speak in, about that in regards to Zendikar? Because there's there's a couple of I times I think we should spend speak about it in regards to Zendikar. Yeah, and then we'll kind of touch Simply on it because here. But, yeah, this is so know, far away. We know now, the anyway. details now of Fetchlands in Zendikar, but we don't for Modern Horizons too. Except that they so. just said. It's featuring all five enemy Fetchlands. That's all we know anyway. Uh, in mm-hmm. draft boosters at. Uh, at rare. So, I mean, that's what they've well, said. I mean, you so. would assume so it's a draft set. Yeah, so. exactly. So, anyway, but we'll get to that in Zendi stuff, I think, for sure. So, other than that, yeah, I mean, that's that's on the other end of next year. Uh, who even knows mm-hmm. what the world looks like then, too? So, that's another thing. But uh, Exactly. Yeah, what is the next one on the list that they've announced? Probably the weirdest one, actually. <laughs> yeah, do you want... <laughs> and that says a lot about these two sets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've got Innistrad vampires and Innistrad werewolves. Yeah. So to to round out 2021 as Q4. So yeah, I don't know. I I don't know how to unpack these except for yeah. You just think I do. You just think <laughs> Team Edward and and Team whoever the other guy was. But yeah, I don't know. The guy that you don't remember. Nah, exactly. Uh, I don't want to. Team, I don't want to Twilight Team these Wolf. guys. I don't want to dumb that down. But yeah. No, no disrespect so, to any Twilight fans, by the way. Interestingly enough, note that both of these sets are listed to be together separately. Yes. Also, set which, set names not final. They do say. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. But Naturally. that also says to me that they're going to have two different products that are based around. So it's probably still going to be standard, but I imagine they're going to have two different sides to the product. Yep. Okay, so I, I feel like this is the point where you go, all right, when you go to a pre-release, you'll either get werewolves yeah, or you get exactly. Vampires. Like you're choosing your, your divide in this one, choose your side. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to draft boosters, I think that it'll be mixed. I don't think that they'll want to, like, you know, single them out because that just doesn't make sense to do it that way. And it could almost um, be your ownership of the draft that, that you become mm, like, I... I I don't know how much intervention there is there, especially from a competitive point of view. Uh, maybe there is. Maybe that still works. But I, I know it feels like the chaos draft thing where we each player has a bit of a um, an identity in the draft as far as which boosters they're bringing to the table as an interesting thing. It's their choice. So maybe that's a thing. It, it, it could be a thing. I just highly doubt it from a design standpoint yeah. when it comes to drafting. Because it could be really um, skewed one side. Exactly. And because you want to keep people entertained, yeah. um, but you also want them to be able to play instead of going, here's this 
four, five, for six vampire. But I'm sorry, you need other vampires for yeah, it to do yeah. and, something and special. You chose the and werewolf it's like, well, packs. But all I got was werewolves because I got completely cut off from vampires. Yeah. Like, oh, well, you're fucked. Sorry. Like, that's not going to happen. So, but um, oh, who knows exactly? It's, it's I imagine this is going to be only two commander decks in this set, mm. and the two commander decks are going to be one for vampires and one for werewolves. Um, I can almost guarantee you that we will get flipping vamp- uh, flipping werewolves back, and, and maybe a good um, commander. But you know, I, I think a lot of I, people. Are- I highly, I highly suspect that that is. Helicopter. I highly suspect <laughs> that's what you're going to have. Yeah. Um, wizards know, and I've spoken to Gavin about this multiple times, so I know they're absolutely aware um, of how much everyone really, 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 really wants a good werewolf I commander. I've been about it for years, and it's like the, the, yeah. the Ulrich thing, and everyone tried, felt let down. But so, as they yeah. keep saying, like they try to make it so that it's not absolutely busted. Yes. But they just water it down to a point where nobody plays it. Even like Huntmaster of the Fells would be kind of cool. But anyway, yeah. Uh, oh well. But uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, we've got I me. Mean, we've got more than enough vampire cards lately, so that's certainly not a problem for the other side. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do we really need more? No. <laughs> Edgar Markov says yes. Uh, so go away, helicopter. Yeah. What's what's going? They, they're after you, Chesh. They're after your <laughs> sick hot takes on Magic the Gathering in 2021. So I think they're probably after all the morons who decided to go out and protest against lockdown. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Uh, someone said, actually, I saw it today. It's like, well, you know, all well and good, but could you actually have a concise message about what you're actually trying to campaign for, which they do not. So <laughs> It's like seven, seven days left. Seven days left of lockdown. Yeah, sure. Let's all go out and... and protest like morons that we're locked down you had seven days left exactly shouting for the sake of shouting just be patient friends we're not we're in a pretty mm-hmm. i know jobs aside economies aside whatever that is a thing i know i know but you know you have to look at it like we're in a cushy position <laughs> it's like we're in a comfortable position in australia i'm not gonna lie so yes i think we all need to be patient and, and make sure we do this thing right so um politics aside chesh that's more or less what we've got to look forward to in 2021 uh and then of course the back to what the original subject matter of the zendikar rising preview show was about we'll get right into zendikar so this comes out i guess it's a quite a few weeks from now but it's it's probably just around the corner essentially and by the time that we release this episode uh giving a gap of a couple of days between recording and editing there'll probably be a few more spoilers so forgive that there's probably some other big zingers coming out that uh we probably don't touch on that's fine but I think there's been enough spoiled thus far in this last week that we have a bit to talk about as far as just looking at some cool spicy commander stuff, which is really, really cool. So um, that I was going to touch on a very, very brief point about, yes, we've got these days so many product releases and different types of the same set coming out and different package up in different formats, which is all great. And it's... I, Yes, they, they want to make money. We, we know that. That's fine. Uh, and, and they know how to get to us too. That's fine. And we always, you know, accept that for sure. Uh, but there is actually a subset, another, you know, as we always um, needed, another version of this product to, to kind, of, um, kind of pass and understand. There is one more uh, set booster, or what is literally called the set booster, that has been added to the kind of the suite of ways you can get your Zendikar fix. fix. So, how much have you seen about these set boosters, Chesh? I think not much. Well, first off, 
Uh, just this is a quick aside. Yeah. And this is non-podcast related. <laughs> Fucking helicopters aren't going away. They're not. I say as the helicopter starts going away. Yeah, exactly. That's fine. So I, during that whole part, you might need to I, do uh, a little I'll, bit of I'll do, do some aggressive noise cancelling. But I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've cancelled out on our episode with Chase. I had a stump grinder going on in the backyard. So it was... It was fine. You can probably hear it, but it's I can I can isolate that sound. No stress. Cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Set boosties. Fetch lands. Oh, did you want to go fetch lands? Yes. Fucking. No. What I was told you were doing, wizards. What are you doing to me? <laughs> the fetchies. What are you doing to me, wizards? Yeah. Or oh, do you want to talk set boosters first, and we'll get into fetch lands? Yeah. Because they do kind yeah. of relate, actually. I will say that because. What we're looking forward to is, and I won't reveal this at the moment, but uh, yeah, the, the way they kind of link up is you get your box topper in your set booster, in your draft booster box as well. Sorry, your, your boxes for both. But um, yeah, set boosters, Chesh, are a different way to get your kind of bulk cards in this set, I guess you want to call it. So in most other sets I'm interested in, I'll buy a booster box of. Yes, I'd like to draft for my friend's that's not really the best kind of thing to do right now and, and, and not very practical at all. So it, it's kind of strange that, that this, you know, the timing on this one is a little bit uncanny. The, they're releasing a set now where you get, I think it is, I need to check here, is, is it 30 packs? I think maybe. Uh, you're looking at slightly less volume of stuff and probably slightly more quality of stuff uh, in this set booster box. And it's not made to be drafted or anything like that. But essentially, you've got just... It's just a shake-up of the... You'll get a lot of the normal set occurring in there. So, you'll get all your exposure exposure to the commons, uncommons, rares, that kind of thing. Uh, but you've also got a couple of other little slots. And I'll, I'll just say, check out Gavin Verhey's Good Morning Magic episode on how he opens up two packs of these, essentially. Uh, but there's an art card slot, which is very inter- interesting, Chesh, because it's kind of like the... The things that occurred in Modern Horizons, which I didn't mind at all. I don't think they're worth anything. But these ones now have a little like foil signature of sometimes of the artist. Which is this one huh. is this one step towards what we're talking about of, you know? This is this is slight baby steps towards exactly. that. Exactly. So I don't know, we'll promote that's kinda cool. So they've also got a land slot. I'm pretty sure you can get a uh, full art. Please don't quote me on these. I'm probably doing an awful job at ex- explaining exactly what's in here, but um, this is how I remember it. Uh, commons and uncommons, they say connected. I still don't fully understand how this works, and I don't really mind because uh, I'm not drafting them. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure it's mm. if they're a wizard, they're a wizard, and each card precedes the next or something like that. Not important. Then the next next part is uh, what they call the fireworks in the, bo- the boost pack, which is the head turner slot, so it's... I don't know how they really pull this apart, but um, it's just something that I'm pretty sure could be a rare, or maybe it's the next one. It's something to get your attention, and then the wild card rarity slot um, that could be a rare. Uh, so potential to get multiple rares in these packs is is what it's also about. And then after that, the big finish is a rare mythic slot, then the foil slot, and then the epilogue is the token slash add slot, uh, as well as I think the, the biggest thing that got my attention here was the, where is it? Uh, do they have the details here? Oh, they have a one in four chance of being a card from the list. The list is inverted, or oh, sorry, italics. 
And it's something that is akin to the way mystery boosters work. So it's a mechanism to reprint things with the little border we found in mystery boosters. So they've got the planeswalker symbol in the bottom left-hand corner. And as Gavin's kind of alluded to, that's the best way they can reuse art assets without making it problematic, reprinting cards, that kind of thing. So they've got things like, I mean, they just have a couple of little teasers of what that could be, but old border things like muscle sliver or pact of negation or something like that. So... That's the bit where I find a bit of fun. Yes, I want to rip some Zendikar open. I can't draft with my friends right now. And I wouldn't mind getting a chance at a few kind of spicy older cards. And even the art cards are kind of cool. So as far as price-wise, I think they're just a little bit more expensive than a booster box, but not much more. So any thoughts in saying all that, Chesh? What makes me want to buy this over wanting to buy a draft box? Other than the fact that there's potentially more value, which actually means that there's potentially not more value because there's going to be more mythics and rares in circulation. Oh, yeah. True, true. Didn't think about it that way. The other problem is that, I mean, as you said, one could be a muscle sliver or one could be a pact of negation. Yeah. So that, that one in four boosters when you're running, what, did you say 30 I think it's pack? 30. I saw that somewhere and I need to find if that was true or not. Um, right. Because it's, so like, it's, like, it's not the 24, but it's not the 36 mm-hmm. as far as I can see. So you're going to get uh, carry, okay, 7.5. So you're going to get a chance at 7.5 mystery slots in one of these boxes. Yeah. Without knowing what the list is. Oh, of course. Yeah. Not yet anyway. You know, like there's is like... What what is on the list is the question. I'd like to because th- that is think it's the stuff they're wanting to. Like, lately, they've had a history of finding places like creative places. I think even to reprint things that need to be there for, especially Commander. Uh, there's there's things that have needed a reprint. Yeah, so thirty packs per booster box. Yes, uh, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. who knows. Like we'll see how that that list looks. Packed of negation, of course, is a spicy one to go. Hey, pay attention, you know. And then another one's just a Kithkin guy, uncommon from Lawwin. So it's nostalgia. It's spicy stuff that might not be the best, but it's, it's kind of fun, I guess, and a bit of a history thing. So it's also an easy way to get hosed. Of course, of course, of course. So, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, you're you're telling me, like, that I should really care about this, this new box because this is the new way you want to do extra value for, quote-unquote, collectors. Yeah. Um, Without being right? a collector's It's not a collector's box, yeah. booster. It's not a whale product. Yeah. It's for actual, like, people who want the value but don't want to draft the box is what you're telling yes, me. Yes, exactly. Um, and doesn't need all that stuff for standard necessarily. That will get some of it, but it's exactly. just getting enough. But you're it. putting more of those rares and mythics in circulation. Yes. Yeah, which oh, means yeah, the exactly. price on those rares and mythics are going to go down of course, of course, faster yeah, than usual. For sure. So, and and that's, that's a problem. This one feels like it's targeted more at commander players for sure. That it's A regular booster box does address some of that, but, you know, there's there's... As they found, there's a couple of other little window dressing things they can put in there to really target this to the people that care about a bit of creativity and a bit of different stuff going on for sure and, and just a bit of spice in well, their booster pack. So. But the problem is, right, who is this box aimed at? Because there's always been the, you know, you, da- you don't crack a box for value. Yes. You crack it for draft. But this is the first box where it is actually, no, you do crack this one for yeah, value. True. 
But is the value going to be there? Maybe that's just the sensible baseline we all say that we do, but we don't. That's my thought on it. Like, uh, I just, I know. I always tell people, crack it if you want to. Yeah, I I agree. (laughs) But I've I've on occasion bought a box going, yeah, I'm going to drop it my friends. Guess what? I can never get them around, (laughs) you know, and especially not now, but exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's, I think that's, that's an interesting way to look at it. We haven't seen a volume uh, product like that targeted at non draft. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. But we're also in the second, going to have a collector's booster box, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, no doubt. I love that. So, which one am I going to buy? Well, uh, what do you think? Yeah. So, which one am I actually going to buy? Dep- That's the thing. Depends what all the cards are, I guess. Well, you got does it? Uh, maybe. Uh, I think which I saw like the collector's ones? booster box comes with two uh, expeditions too. Which I mean, we've been putting off this fetchland discussion for <laughs> a while, but <laughs> I think the others just get one. So, I mean, that's a good way to go into it. Uh, yeah. Well, who are we dancing around? Fetchlands, Chesh. What have you heard? <sighs> um, <laughs> yeah, look, this, this isn't how I was told fetch lands were going to be. That's what I've heard on the grapevine. That's generally a lot of yep. people's feelings. So, Wizards did say that this this year that they would be reprinting fetch lands. Mm-hmm. And we went, reprinting fetch lands? That's great. In particular, and ally like, fetch. Oh, no, enemy? Ally? I don't know. Oh, it doesn't matter. They just said fetch lands. Okay. Um, but this this isn't exactly how it was supposed to go. Um, so, from what I understand, yes, um, the Fetchlands reprint are going to be ex- quote unquote expeditions, which they're not. But sure, okay. <laughs> um, that these will, I believe, only be available in the collector's box. Or a box topper. A box topper is the important part there. That you you'll buy a draft booster box, you'll get a box topper. You'll buy a set booster box, you'll get a box topper. And the collectors boosters, you can probably find them in there. But also, I'm pretty sure you even get a box topper with two in there. But again, have to confirm that. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. That box topper is not a guaranteed fetch lane. No way. Exactly. Outside of the collectors boosters. They are 100% guaranteed to be non-foil. Yes. I get that. I do. It'll save, you know, curling issue that everyone constantly whinges about. I get it. Mm-hmm. If you open a collector's box and you get two of these fetch lands, neither one of them are guaranteed to be foil. Yes. In a, in a product that is specifically designed around, look at all this foil goodness. Look at all this... You know, value. Yeah, Look yeah. at all this I mean, amazing head turning whaleness by my shit. Anyway. There was even the point with Double Masters where it was people like, well, I guess turns out the the non foil uh, box toppers are rarer uh, because they, oh, they're a box topper and they're not in the, the um, uh, collector booster for Double Masters, or VIP booster for Double Masters. And that was a weird thing. It's yeah. just whichever one has the less numbers is more more expensive and that one was the non non foil one. But I don't know. I, I I don't know how I feel as far as I. You almost feel like you see a treatment like this, and you want that to be foil, and it's just adding another layer of existence I mean, complexity. I don't, I don't do foils, so I don't care. But I do like getting foil stuff to sell off to people who do like foil That's stuff. True. I mean, we're not because it allows me to buy more stuff. We're not that wild <laughs> about Pringles around here. And um, I was actually stoked to hear uh, 
Even I thought I thought we were the only ones using the Pringle comparison, but uh, I think the prof said it the other day. Don't like you yeah, can't being a Vince, Pringle. Vince said it recently as well. <laughs> yeah, t- THPS two, uh, you know, half pipe it. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Like at the end of the day, like this just seems like such a weird gimmick and such a weird way to reprint fetch lands because the table of cards is like forty. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so your your fetches like, are five of those, right? Yeah, exactly. So the percentage Ooh, of you getting a no 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 that's ten anyway. sorry never mind you get all of them in this. There you go. But how big was the, well, the the table for other cards? No, like? you're right. It's still like forty, but there's there's yeah. You know, I think it's mm, mm, I'll, I'll yeah I I know I'm still going to be getting my hands on one of these and I mean in the likely the set booster and getting my hit at like chance at one of these i guess uh watch the again watch the thing that uh that gavin put up on good morning magic because he does open the box topper and two set boosters and he gets lucky he gets an arid mesa which is great and even he's visibly he handles a lot of magic cards and he was bloody excited so um and i don't think he was putting that on either <laughs> i think he's pretty heavy so i don't know there's there's 10 so how many is there total i can count 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. Yeah, it's 30 total, it looks like. Now, have they got the last two? Well, There's still, a Celestial Colonnade. So, yeah, so 30 it looks like, essentially. So, you're like one in three to get a fetch. This was going to be... Yeah, and you just you just mentioned exactly what the other problem is. So, I buy a box. I crack, a, I, I crack the box topper. Yes. It's a Rage of Venge. Rage of Venge Which, mind, mind you, awesome art, but that doesn't matter because it doesn't crack. It's a Celestial Colonnade. Yeah, which, funny enough, they used to be $50. But yeah. yeah how the, I mean, by the way, what do you think of that art? The new Celestial Colonnade. Oh, it looks great. It's like, but, it's like Ugin Rockman. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. But here's, so that's the problem, right? Like, you, it's such a gamble. It is such a gamble. Of course, yes. That it's almost worth not opening the box topper pack. And selling that. And just selling it. Well, that's, I mean, (laughs) we are are in an authoritative position at at the moment. I mean, you know what? No, we're not. We we can say what we want. But they do say on it, do not sell this. Sure they do. That's for retailers. (laughs) That's why you see them on eBay. Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to sell this cardboard box and like, oh, gasp, guess what was in it. If if I bought the box, I can sell the box however the hell damn I want. Yeah, true. And I can can tell you right now, I'd probably still crack the box topper just to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Because you want to know what's in there for sure. Yeah, Yeah, because you want to know what's in there. Well, we reel off some others. I mean, in that list, it's not all trash. Don't worry. I mean, I'll put it this way. I play some pretty, pretty slim down... uh, mana bases in commander and so as i was saying before to chesh i'm not that i I, i'm fairly impartial to the situation with fetch lands for the most part i love them when i can have them i'm not going to go wild trying to chase them or anything like that because i think you can exist without them yes it's really nice to have really nice mana um but other things any kind of jewel land that is has a rare stamp on it, i usually throw in the color like the the deck that has those colors in it and happy with it man sea chrome coast has a bird on it that now goes in the bird deck that's sick <laughs> but the that's it you've got the sea chrome coast the dark slick shores the black wave black cleave cliffs razor verge thicket those kind of ones that enters battlefield tapped unless you control two or few other lands these are just dollar cards when normally printed that's fine like they have to exist as, as a comparison thing then you've got some other spicy ones like i say it's not all trash 
There's you got Velikud is pretty cool there. I actually really dig that. I think that's a fun one. Even even if you don't get a fetch in one of these packs, you get a Velikud. That still wouldn't be mad. As whatever. Um, Creeping Tarpit, I know season play. Grabbing the burn wheels are pretty cool. Original Horizon Canopy, that's some fun times. I mean, how the mighty have fallen. That used to be worth an absolute ton. Uh, Strip Mine, Wasteland, always love those. Then you've got, actually, I only just noticed, but you've got the five Battleborn lands. Luxury Suite. How do you pull off a Luxury Suite in a Zendikar set where it's all wilderness and Hedron and things? So, wacky. Uh, but yeah, like uh, Sea of Clouds, Bouncing Promenade, Spy Garden, Morphic Pool, that kind of thing. Ancient Tombs, an important one. That was really going up and it will stay up, no doubt, because this is just a, a, a special card version of it. Cavern of Souls is a huge one as well on Prismatic Vista. So, there's a bunch of good stuff there. I think actually you just feel really unlucky if you got the Dark Slick Shores. I think looking at Do you them. want to know how lucky I can be? How, how lucky you can be? How unlucky oh, I can be? Oh, yeah. Tell me. Oh, no, no, no. Your, your, your Icoria one was absolute stone trash. That was a funny one. But you've, you've probably got more tales of trash. Yeah. That was <laughs> Sorry, man. I've got plenty of tales of trash, but like the Icoria box that I had was just mm. horrible. You were because the gritting box your teeth was with disappointment. An uncommon unfoil. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like this this is my problem with this. It's like it's only a small thing, but it's a big thing when wizards say, yes, we're going to reprint Fetchlands, and this is how they do it. Yes. This is not reprinting Fetchlands. No. So that's, I mean, that's kind of it anyway. As we said, the Fetchlands are appearing in Modern Horizons 2 at the end of the next year. So I don't know. Like, again, I don't have much of an opinion of it, it but it seems that maybe some words are twisted. Who knows? So. It doesn't make Fetchlands cheaper, uh, more available for players, yes. which is the problem that myself, the professor, mm. you know, Peasant Kenobi, a whole bunch of people have always whinged about yep. is the fact that These are that lands that should be really accessible. Like, cool, your your blue-red Fetchland is $112. Yeah. And I need four of them. Well, that's never going to happen. Exactly. Like, that's 400 and. You know, almost almost five hundred dollars, basically. And I think even like players of other games find that concept really foreign as well. Like Yu Gi Oh players and stuff find it at what your land base costs more than anything. Yeah, generally it's crazy. So, yeah, uh, I mean, as a completely positive aside, some of these new arts are pretty freaking cool. Verdant Catacombs, I think, maybe one of my favorites. But I'm privy to any kind of uh, or like biased to any any kind of art with birds in it. That's great. Misty Rainforest looks great. I still love the original Expedition, one of those. Um, not so wild on Arid Mesa. Can you say that one? Yeah. Arid Mesa looks like not a location off, um, off Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance. Um, yeah, a key point in that narrative. But it just seems the, the, the composition there, not saying the artist or anything because Adam forgets amazing, but it's just it just looks like a rock. The art just doesn't feel like it represents what the card is supposed to be. Exactly. Uh, the convergence of some plains and some mountains kind of smashing together. So, Winsept Heath looks really cool. Flooded Strands, nice. I like that. I like that. I can feel some action in there. I mean, Bloodsaid Maya is actually really cool. I reckon there's, there's a couple of things here that feel like the different... Like This is strange. I often look at the art to feel a card. And that's why I've said in the past, you know, we've we've attacked with a creature that didn't have flying because we thought it did. That kind of thing happening. The Arid Mesa looks like there's got a lot more hues in there of blue than red. Mm. Uh, than white, sorry. Uh, so, I just see that, that my immediate thought was, was that the Scalding Tarn? 
But no. Um, yeah, even scolding Tarn in this one. Yeah, it's okay. But it's just not... I don't find it vivid and evocative. But you're not here to listen to Chesh and Sam uh, critique art all day. That's fine. <laughs> uh, Velikut's kind of cool. So anyway, moving on. That is what it is. We'll see what happens. Uh, also, depending on how exciting the set is, which... So far, I've found plenty of stuff, as always, to find very optimistically kind of positive about it. So, um, yeah, set off. Just dive into some cards. Pull up Mythic Spoiler and just jam on a card that you you like to, uh, you know, kind of play in a deck one day, Chesh. What do you think? Well, I mean, speaking of, yeah, let's start with Emiria's Call. Ah, yeah, exactly. And this, so this is a good a way to introduce mythic. a mechanic too. Yeah. Four colors and three white for a sorcery. Create two four four white angel warrior creature tokens with flying. Yes, angel warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, non-angel creatures you control gain indestructible until your next turn. Now, this also has the back of the card being Amiria Shattered Skyclave, which is a land, not a legendary Skyclave land. Skyclave sounds so Even fun. though it has a name. Um as Skyclave enters the battlefield, you can pay three life, so super pain land. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, it enters tapped. It taps for a white. This is a mythic too. Wow. So, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's a whole lot of these cards that are basically you have a spell, etc., on one side and a land on the other. Yes. Now, Sam, correct, if, correct me if I'm wrong. Basically, when you want to play this card as either side... You turn it to that side, and then you announce you're playing it, right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, like as far as I know, else. anything outside of the the battlefield, the stack, or whatever, is um, like in the library, is the front side of the card. It will prioritize that, yeah. of course. Exactly. So the point here I want to make is that if you need a planes and you've got this in your hand, you can play it as a, well, as a, not a planes, but as a land that creates white mana. Yeah. Um, so you got that redundancy. Yeah. So the thing is, the implication here for standard is the fact that you have access to a spell that means that maybe you can cut down on the amount of land that you're running. Potentially. Um, but also, uh, it's very expensive if you want to play this in standard, which I really wouldn't recommend because it doesn't sound great yeah, for exactly. standard. This absolutely sounds pretty good for commander. Oh, yeah. We, especially we, we the fact that spells. it's like, yeah, especially the fact that it's like, you know, it it, it can be played as a land. Mm, like, that's the key. What, what do you want? It's like cycling for a land, you know. You often, I, I up up the value of cards in my mind if they have cycling or basic land cycling. It's just, it's a redundancy thing to keep you in the game, especially at the early uh, kind of stages. And it's it's interesting design space. They're exploring this. I know, I know there's a big landfall thing in this set, of course, being Zendikar. Naturally, that's what happens. But having things that now put a bit of spice in your land spot can really start to make you think about how we're looking at deck building as well. So, you know, do do these take up that land slot? Uh, you know, or do they take up a spell slot and they're just an extra land for gravy if you need it? So I think... I don't think there's a hard and fast rule to that, but I think it just provokes those kind of thoughts about how you look at your deck for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, again, for standard, this is just like a junk mythic yeah. with really cool art. But for commander, I think it's where these cards are going to shine. Yeah, not to, um, not to mention if you care about angels and warriors, but yeah. Yeah. 
moving on to the next one that took my eye uh, was pretty much the same card. Seagate Restoration, mm. four colors and three blue for a sorcery. Now, I believe that all of these are sorcery, which we'll get into in just a second. Yeah. Um, so draw cards equal to the number of cards in your hand plus one, which already just says to me I'm going to be playing this in my uh, my Circosis Crawler deck Ooh, yeah. to oh, kill yeah. the table. Uh, you have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. Now, that is something that might see standard play, even though it's seven mana. There's, there's a chance. I'm not saying it's a good chance. Probably in a weird fringe combo deck, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, but in Commander, this is a cool effect for seven mana. Totally. That you're likely going to play in blue because you've got ways to, like, play it for free or near free, you know. So that's a thing. Mm, um, totally. This also can be played as a land, again, paying three life to put it into play untapped if you want. Otherwise, it goes into play tapped and creates a blue. Definitely. Uh, that's a that's a good way to kind of segue into a like a big big theme in as I said they're, they're playing with a lot of land effects uh, as far as looking at different spaces to explore how you do spells that fit on lands because there's a few there's a few in the uncommon slot as well uh, I'm pretty sure a few more in rare uh, that do similar mm-hmm. things there's a spell and then there's a land on the back which really just I think anything that smooths out the game a little bit, like I said, cycling, like I said, basically land cycling, cycling just kind of leads to a, a more positive play experience where you're not missing land drops. And I think, I feel like that's well, what they're really exploring that space to make sure they avoid, you know, that's the, also the whole uh, LSV mulliganing to four, I think in the finals of that, um, um, is it the pro tour or whatever that was that was always mm-hmm. the one i think of it's you know that's that's the harsh reality of the game that yes we're dealing with variants here but can we shore up some of those pain points it seems like that's what we're looking at but the cycle if you've seen them chesh uh of one it's it's really weird and uneven because it's only six of them i think six maybe there's more i thought there's seven Anyway, it's not the full 10, which is a strange part here that kind of maybe alludes to this set having a few, like an unorthodox kind of uh, color pattern, I guess. Not the traditional dual color, you know, uncommon play uh, build around in draft that alludes to what that color pair is doing. It might be a bit more complex than that, a bit like Ikoria. So, but as I said, I can see here one... Uh, yeah, so six. Six lands that go, we've got one front side, which is a land, just tap for blue. I'm using the first one, River Guide Pathway as an example. Taps for blue, but the other side just very cleanly just says taps for red. So mm-hmm. you would think this is an essential dual land, but it's very much, there's a massive downside to it. But I see myself playing a lot of these lands in Commander for sure, and I think it's a really elegant solution. So you have to make that choice when you play the land, which side it's going to be. It's not coming in tapped, anything like that. It doesn't have a land type. So, uh, yeah, if you had a look at these and which ones they are and... Uh, I have. Mm. So, here's my thing. These are not dual lands. No way. They're so far from it. Right? They're, they're so, less- that's, that's the one thing that people need to, to just kind of get into their heads. Yes. These are not dual lands. They're, they are dual enter lands. Exactly. And they're, they're, they're a choice and they're, they're, they're less than battle bond lands in our format. I think that's the thing as well. Yeah, but I think they're so, great. I think things are really good mana fixing lands, mm. and that's absolutely what this is supposed to be about. No feel bads. 
Yeah. So these these lands are the no feel bad lands because you choose what side they come in and they help you to fix your mana for whenever you need them. Yeah. In that moment. Now, will there be something that allows us to flip them over? Who knows? Probably not. Oh, I didn't even think Let's of that. That was that'd be pretty yeah. wacky. Maybe there, there could maybe be. blinking them works. I have no idea what the rules are there. Well, I assume that they would come back in on the same side that they went out. Yeah, that's true. Or maybe by default first side the first side, but I'm not I'm not a rule person. Yeah. Well you're 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 selecting which side they come in on. Mm. So when they get blinked, they would come back in the same. Yeah. The same way they left. I have to check it. But yeah, very um, interesting. Yeah, that's fun. But mm. I mean that's it's hardly a higher powered transaction, but you know, we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean it's it's just like it's it's cool kind of design space um it's interesting that we have like a, a fixing land that's not really a fixing land yeah it's hard to kind of give it a cycle name because it's like you can't call them a dual land that they're, they're a flip land so yeah. maybe these should be flip color lands uh someone or did give them a f- name flip, and i can't remember what it was on. yeah i wish i had that on yeah. on uh on my mind right now but it was actually a pretty cool name for for these but yeah hmm Path- oh, Pathway Lands. It's on the bloody box, man. <laughs> well, <there you laughs> They're go. all Pathway Lands. <laughs> mm. uh, I'm a tool. Uh, but yes, exactly. They have Riverglide Pathway, Bright Climb Pathway, etc., etc. So, yeah, no, very, very cool. So, um, now any other things that, I mean, there's quite a few, I guess, but we won't go comprehensively because we'll wait wait till the whole set comes out. But there's there's been a couple of things the last few days that have piqued my attention. And it's usually, I'm always looking for, nah, who am I kidding? The dual-coloured kind of commander type stuff. You know, you're looking for a new new general to to build something around. Uh, have you seen Omnath? I have seen so, Omnath. I'm looking at Omnath right now. So we thought about long ago when uh, some, some some pack art of Zendikar Rising was, was leaked somewhere. I can't even remember where. We saw Omnath with the forearms. One each arm is clearly in a different color, so we've seen Omnath gone from mono green to green red, Locus of Rage to the Teamer one, so green, red, blue, and then of course we saw this this pack art. He had a yellow arm too, or a white arm, I guess you call it. So, uh, mm-hmm. or I'm not sure we can classify Omnath as a he. I'll, I'll, I think he's a celestial. Omnath is a celestial being, so leave that to to them but uh Lo- omnath locus of creation is of course uh what even i don't even know what you call that that four color combo but but team of white red green white blue uh mm-hmm. and omnath reads when omnath locus of creation enters the battlefield draw a card it's four four and landfall whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control you gain four life if this is the first time this ability has resolved this turn if it's the second time uh, add red, green, white, blue. <laughs> if it's the yeah. third time, how's it? It's got to track all the times far out. Omnath deals mm-hmm. four damage to each opponent and each planeswalker you don't control. So just just kind of stack up on all those explorations and the uh, Azusa Lospis seekings and the you know Mina of Dens. Just get your double landfall triggers going off, and that's pretty much the name of the game. What do you reckon, Chesh? Lots of land, lots of land, land. starry sky above. Has Omnath ever cared about anything other than land? Well, I don't, I don't, mm, no, not, not really. really. It's just here's, here's my thing, man right? Is good. So Omnath is great. Yeah. Here's my other thing. We also have a new Valakit to go with that Omnath. Oh. In standard. Uh, yeah. I, uh, let's, yeah. let's, do you want to talk about that one? So, 
This is Valakit Exploration. This is two colors and a red for an enchantment with landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card for as long as it remains exiled. Eh, pretty boring. Oh no. At the beginning of your end step, if there are cards exiled with Valakit Exploration, put them into their owner's graveyard. Then Valakit Exploration deals that much damage to each opponent. Oh baby. Yeah. Look. Um <laughs> this is a thing. This is absolutely I will say a thing. it's not Valakut Valakut though, because there is a Valakut land that is a little bit less dynamic in my opinion. Yes. But this is an enchantment. Hmm. It's got the name Valakut. This is on. not as good as Valakut the land. Um but I think that this is gonna be really interesting with Omnath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in a landfall deck. Um, considering the fact that, hey, Landfall's here, and what did we get in M21? Oh, all of those, like, really great cards, like, oh, I don't know, Cultivate? Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Are you building a standard Ridiculous. deck right now in your mind? Sorry? Are you building a standard deck right now in your mind? Of course I am. You got, you got Lotus Cobra then, like, a couple of slots mm-hmm. over? Mm, that's a good way to just gel into that one. Lotus Cobra, I always need that for uh, commandy decks and the showcase art. Might I say, also, Valakut Exploration Showcase Art is phenomenal. So good. Yep. That's maybe one of my favorites. Very good. But, like, subtly great. I mean, the Lotus Cobra is amazing because it's just so many colors and it feels almost like we talked to Sheepwave about that it's in a different style and it's setting a precedent Mm -hmm. for different things in in this game that can be a bit more abstract and weird and whatever. Almost like that Serum Vision set. That's what it's reminding me of there. It's it's almost glitch art. It's clean art, but it's, it's got that technical aspect to it the lotus cobra one so check that out but the valakut exploration one i'm, I'm getting some star wars and new hope vibes it's yeah, just something um, so peaceful sorry. about it so yeah there's going to be like this weird thing right yeah like this is going to be interesting in commander because it's too good in my opinion <laughs> um just because of what it does i'm happy that you can only do it like activate it three times in a turn yeah. Um and, and not infinitely just kill somebody. Yeah. Uh I think it's gonna be incredibly strong. Uh I think it's standard, it's gonna be interesting to see if somebody can break it. Omnath or I mean as I said, like in my head I'm Omnath. Oh yeah, gotcha. I'm I'm already building the Omnath deck in my head. Nice. And it revolves around Velikit. Um And also check uh friend of the show Chase's um latest uh article, I'm pretty sure, and, and she brewed it on stream as well. Put a deck together already. So I'll see see what she's put together. Well, there you go. Yeah, exactly. I think it's super cool. Yeah, I want to I want to see what cool. you come up with, Chesh. I think it'd be really spicy. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, we've seen some cool landfall stuff. I always love landfall. Uh, we talked about it before, but I have that Vivictus Asmati deck, which is pretty much spiritually like a like a Lord Greengrace kind of deck, but it's with a lot more of my own spice. But I call it the Gardening Australia deck. It's it, there's so much I'd love and I play that's not the best, but it's fun and uh, it's just super cool. Mm. But yeah, landfall stuff's always kind of good, especially like Jund. It's great. Um, but there's some other spicy ones. There was there's another legend. I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think you do that much crazy stuff. The Phylath, uh World Sculptor, the four red green elemental, when it enters the battlefield, create a zero one green plant creature token for each basic land you control. Incentivizes non basics. That's kind of a fun fun space. I do like that. Is a five five and land for whenever land enters the battlefield under your control. Put four one one counters on target plant you you control. So 
Seems pretty linear. Just does Rakdos. I mean, sorry, Boros. Rakdos, Boros. Gruel stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong tribe. Um, uh, Yeah, just just kind of gruel stuff that animating lands, that kind of thing. I don't think it's particularly dynamic, but I think the the, the thing to point out there is it's basic lands. I I do like rewarding that. It's kind of cool. Um, There's there's a couple more I didn't mind. um, Where was it? Did you see... The mythic that Gavin opened from the set booster, which I thought was a really interesting way to release some cards that I don't know no. if it was planned what was in those packs or how that coincided with people's um, kind of spoiler cards, that, that you know, um, teaser cards that are coming out at the moment. But basically, Gavin just blindly opened two packs of set boosters and whatever was in them got released, I guess, <laughs> to, to, to people's consumption. But one of the mythics was Ashaya, Soul of the Wild. Which, again, very spicy kind of uh, design space in that, well, first of all, Shia actually appeared on, it's a Nissa Planeswalker, isn't it? As a legendary token at some stage. I just remember that, I think, from Origins, maybe. Uh, but Shia is three green green, legendary creature elemental, star star. Shire's uh, power and toughness each equal to the number of lands you control. But the the crazy part, non-token creatures you control are forest lands in addition to their other types. Now, did you see this one, Chesh? No. So what are your first thoughts when non-token creatures you control are forest lands in addition to the other types? So I can tap them for mana? Yeah, I mean, yeah. What else can you... I mean, what what can, are they not affected by? What, what, what colors are we in? Uh, just green, mono green. Uh huh. But that doesn't matter too much. But 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 they're lands. Yeah. What if? I mean, yeah. So there's heaps of stuff that they can't be killed by. Exactly. Because because they're a, a land permanent, not exactly. a non-land permanent. So it baffled, it blew a few people's minds to go to understand the idea that this is an anti-cyclonic rift tech. Mm-hmm. Your tokens will go. That's fine. But someone can't cyclonic rift all your creatures when you have a shire out. I mean, a shire will go. But that's and that's that's fine. Non-token. Oh no 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 no! Never mind. Non-token creatures you control are forest. Yeah. So a shy is a forest. It's a non-token creature as well. Yeah. So so everyone's dryad yeah. arbor. Sick. So <laughs> did green end need any more cool stuff? Never. No. <laughs> nope. Exactly. So it got it though. Nah, exactly. Now, Chesh, have you seen the party mechanic? Speaking of, I was gonna D&D ask about this stuff. because of Linvala Shield of Seagate. Did your eyes just wide um, like go wide open? You're like, oh no, they're doing the 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 D and D their D and D stuff straight away. They're doing it already. They're doing they're the party thing. The game. Exactly. It's an angel wizard. Yes. <laughs> How? So this is um, and demon cleric. One blue, like, one yeah. white, and one colors for a flying angel wizard. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if you have a full party, mm-hmm. choose target non-land permanent and opponent controls until your next turn it can't attack or block and its activated abilities can't be activated. Hashtag flying hate bet. Or it's, Sacrifice it's basically detained, right? Yeah. yeah. Choose hexproof or indestructible. Creatures you control gain that ability until end of turn. Holy crap, it's hate bet. Yeah. What is party? So party is... Oh, yeah. I love this because you explained a whole concept of D&D mechanics before uh, and I'm so glad that you didn't even see what this was in the spoilers. Party is, a full party, as far as I know, is a warrior, a cleric, a rogue and a... What's the last one? Blah, 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 blah. Wizard. So, 
there's a whole subset of things in this set that care about your party. So there's things that care if you have a whole party, whatever, and then are reduced by each. Each There's a couple of cards that are reduced by how many of each uh, creature type you have in your party. You There is a couple of cards that, care, that actually have all of those creature types in one. However, you can't, as far as I know, you can't have four of four warriors and call it a party. You've got to have one of each, essentially. So, okay. uh, yeah, so it's, I'm it's, it's stop interesting. You there for a second, it's, Sam. What's that? When this set when this set comes out, yes, I am going to make a commander deck. Oh, this is good. Go go. Yeah, built around the party mechanic, mm-hmm. and I'm going to call it No Homer's Full Party. I like. <laughs> it's just going to be a whole deck based around the partner, uh, the the party mechanic. Yeah, and we're just going to have a party. It's going to be great. So I mean, yeah, here you go. Spoils adventure for white blue. This spell costs one instant. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. And it says in brackets, your party consists of up to one each of cleric, rogue, warrior, and wizard. You gain three life and draw three cards. So fun little one there. But yeah, it's. it's Super spicy. I don't think Lynn Varkle is particularly good. I know you say hate bear. I think that's a few more hoops to jump through than I think is is given credit for for or like than is understood just to give something to I, I think I think you're looking at it the wrong way. The secondary on Lynn Vala doesn't require you to have the full party. Oh, true, true. So you can sacrifice Lynn Vala, choose hexproof or indestructible creatures you control. Gain that ability. Yeah, so you've got this turn. amazing pan- you've got you this need to amazing at. panic button uh, built in. Mm. And if you want to do any shenanigans, get Linvala back, whatever. But, I mean, also lean, lean uh, package too. One white, blue, 3-3 three, three flyer. That's great. That's great. Also, in the art, there's a welcome turn there. <laughs> I'm a bird nerd. <laughs> Turns are real birds though. Like a welcome turn, maybe not. That's a magic thing. But that is literally a real turn. Turns. So if you have two turns, is that an extra turn? No, T E R N, not T. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I want to put some extra turn decks, uh, some cards in my bird deck, and uh, make that crappy, crappy joke, and I love it. So, anyway, uh, I don't know. Well, that's. I think you've you've kind of warmed me up a bit more to Linval and think it's pretty cool. So, um, but I am looking at in my jumpstart box was an original Linval. So yeah, like. <laughs> That's the powerful one. It's worth lots of money, so that's kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. the art on this one's amazing. I think I, I really dig it. So, uh, any other legendaries you can see on the list? I've got a couple I want to run through, but give you the next one. Um, I think we're mainly looking at legendaries, bar a couple of cards, actually, because I've got one. Well, I mean, there's Zareth San, the trickster. That sounds like the most Star Wars name ever, and that was one of yeah, my picks. pretty much. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love what a it. surprise! Yeah, totally. Um, so this is uh, three colors: a blue and a black for a legendary creature, Murfolk Rogue. Here's the weird part, right? So has flash. Yeah. Ah, cool. champion on Two, the universe. Two a blue and a black. <laughs> Return an unblocked attacking rogue you control to its owner's hand. It's ninjutsu. Put Zareth, <laughs> put Zareth Sand the Trickster from your hand. Onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking from your hand. Oh, no. Ugh. From your hand. I uh, can't do the commander crap. Gavin, yeah, exactly. no. I didn't even see, Gavin, I didn't even see no. that. Whenever Zareth Sand deals combat damage to a player, you may put target permanent card from that player's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. Now, that bit I like. Uh, so, 
here's what I'm going to say. Mm. This with a bunch of clone effects, mm. uh, like uh, the non-legendary clone effects. Oh, your favorite, that's Spark Double, man. Um, yeah, exactly. Such as Spark Double. Yeah, Hell and Host. Uh, and the equipment, Hell and Host. Uh, and I want to kill your stuff, and I just want to basically resurrect everyone's dead creatures under my control. Yeah. To, for a zombie party. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I was like, does it make it a zombie? No, it doesn't. From your hand. Yeah, so that's the bit. It's Why? You know, I'm still playing this as a commander, though, right? That's fine. You just, <sighs> yeah, you just don't get the ninjutsu interaction. Like it doesn't have commander ninjutsu. That's, so. But I think that's kind of the paragraph of text you can ignore. Because, and I'll say it this way, I play big old Rexial boy, six mana Levite, no, Kraken, sorry, uh, that does exactly the same effect. Mind you, has Swamp Walk and Island Walk, so it's largely unblockable. He's a large lad at 5'7", I'm pretty sure. But mm-hmm. just resurrects an instant or sorcery from everyone's graveyard. So that is my beloved all-time Hall of Fame deck. I love that deck to pieces. Zareth Sand just does this for so the creatures. Here's my thing. This, this makes me sad, the fact that this can't, This doesn't have commander ninjutsu. Yeah, exactly. Which is something but, they've done before, but that's a bit weird to put on a standard set, of course. Mm. But it does mean that I am going to run it in my, in my ninjutsu deck. Yeah, exactly. Because my Eureka obviously needs a Merfolk Rogue yeah. to do a very similar kind of action, but yeah, completely different. Yeah. Uh, and um, I'm running in the 99 of, um, of So, yeah. Oh, super cool. And that's like, I mean... You don't. I don't think you even have to particularly mill too much stuff either. Uh, I mean, I do love having a, a Rexial good game that is going well. well is I mean, everyone with half their, black, half their library gonna, in their graveyard and you get to choose what you want? You're absolutely going to play, like, you know, mind crank and stuff. Oh, yeah. You, but you're absolutely going to mill people and then get their biggest threat. Sometimes that's what this is designed exactly. to do. But it's how much you want to lean into that. And, and I mean, the Rexial deck, I lean into it very heavily, and it's just hilarious. It's great. Yeah, like you say, the Minecraft thing, you can do the... Uh, everyone loves a bit of a... Um, uh, what is it? Put half their library into their graveyard. Love it to bits. And you have that on the fish as well. I can't remember what he's called. But all those kinds of effects. Uh, Altar of the Brood is a great one. Just subtly put things in the yard. Um, mm-hmm. Mesmeric Orb is one I've been meaning to get my hands on because it was in Double Masters and it was always just a bit too expensive than for what the ex- the, the, the ability was. I, I, th- I thought it should just be a $5 card, but I think it's close to that these days. But just ways to subtly just fill the yards. You don't have to win. That's the thing I'll, I'll advise with these kind of decks. You don't have to win by milling. That's not the point. That rarely happens. It does happen, but you're going to have more fun with what comes out of what you're plucking out of the graveyard and there's going to be some wacky stuff. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Rexil's best, mate. I think I love that. And almost my name there. So, we could do a little altar where it says Zareth Sam. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to do that for me, aren't you, Chesh? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> so, as, as the party mechanic kind of alluded to, we've got a bit of... Uh, I guess, what do you call it, um, creature type or subtype? No, are they subtypes or supertypes? Subtypes? Mm. A bit of occupation love, I'll call it that, <laughs> because it's what job they have. <laughs> Rogue, cleric, wizard, warrior, that kind of thing. So clerics are the one that I've given a lot of attention to with all these, that I, I'm just getting increasingly giddy about all the different cleric cards there are coming out, that I've built a couple of cleric decks before, and it's great fun. I think there's some amazing creatures in... in 
you know, the cleric occupation. Uh, but we're getting even more. So Aura, the Skyclave Hierophant, is two and a white and a black. Uh, core cleric, 3-3. Three, three. Uh, remember Ailey? She's a core cleric too, which is awesome. Uh, and that was, Ailey used to be the head of my cleric deck. And I think this will be the, the new de facto option, actually. But uh, Aura is a lifelink, has lifelink. Whenever Aura, Skyclave, Hierophant, or another cleric you control dies, return target cleric card with lesser converted mana cost from your graveyard to the battlefield that's exactly what the cleric card does uh, uh deck does you're doing like an aristocrats thing a lot of cheap clerics and mm-hmm. they're just cycling and that's what you want you want cheap ways to kind of i mean in this my my particular deck you want cheap ways to kind of get them back and they're usually like cmc3 or less that kind of thing and so this is fun uh this is exactly what i want to do i don't think it's great <laughs> i just think it's fun so yeah i don't know what are your thoughts on clerics uh there's clerics coming back yeah yeah go clerics yeah the clergy so anyway um any others you can see there do you see i I see right now the zagras the thief of heartbeats is pretty funky they're the only ones that i looked at yeah and that's the one where we've got the mechanical uh reduction for how many creatures in your party so how many creatures could you reckon you could fill i think you do it but that may be your um your party kind of leader basically that you within the Rakdos colors how many of those those party kind of uh creatures can you get mm, that is a good question we'll find out i guess i think a big thing on twitter at the moment everyone's doing their uh, ultimate party regardless of colors and their favorite cleric rogue warrior wizard type uh you know four four card combo uh, Gavin had a really mm. funny one that actually made an infinite combo infinite combo but for the most part it's just flavor wise so Good fun. Um, all right, I might I might hit the tail of an end of this chest with just two more cards I want to look at. Any more? Just shout out. But um, I think it's mm-hmm. probably a, starting to be a good time to call it an afternoon. But uh, one I made the point of saying was was not the most flashy or you know kind of crazy effect or anything going on here. But I love what this does as far as what we were talking about before when your lands actually have some spice in them that they have you're using that slot to do something different or potentially be a card on the other side that kind of thing so there's an uncommon i love called tangled florahedron now mind you the art's amazing can you see this one i might just read it off and see if you can you can pass what's going on but uh one in Mm -hmm. a green for one one elemental tap to add one green mana so it's just a two mana dork Couple this with, on the other side, we are looking at, what are you, Tangled Veil, which is basically a green, a, a, ta- a land that taps a green that enters the battlefield tapped. So, it's an uncommon, mm-hmm. you've got both sides. You've got a Mana Dork when you need it, and you've got a land when you need it. Would you play this? Um, yes. Yeah. Like, I think it's really I mean, sensible. That's, it's, it's, really, it's a really good design. Like, yeah. On one hand, it's a Mana Dork if you need the mana. On the other hand, it's a land... If you drew, drew a shit hand and you need the land. Exactly. Like, so Okay, cool. This is my pick for just sleeper hit for the type of card I'll, I'll, I'll basically just put in so many decks. It's not funny. So I, I think it's really cool that the artwork is incredible too, Randy Vargas one. But it, it's got the yeah. – it's basically a little creature made of hedrons with flowers all over it. And and it reminds me of the golems off um, uh, Laputa's Castle in the Sky, the Miyazaki movie, Ghibli. Uh, mm-hmm. really sweet really love it so yeah I'm glad you think the same actually that it's it's one of those I think 
when all the crazy spoilers come out, it's the all the flashy stuff, the omnas, whatever going around. People are like, well, but I I look at the the subtle kind of ones that you know that might be an uncommon or a common that actually might be just a strict upgrade to say a slot you've already got in a deck, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. um, there's another one. Actually, here's another one: Balaged Recovery. This is all the green cards getting this good stuff too. <laughs> Balaged Recovery what is, is two and a green sorcery, uncommon return target cr- uh, card from your graveyard to your hand. So that's a regrowth, basically, right? But for three mana, mm-hmm. and on the other side is just a yep. tapped Greenland. Again, it's like. Yeah, I, I I think it's worth the the uptick of mana cost just to have something that actually can play in your lands land slot potentially. So these are the kind of ones. Do you start to put a couple of these effects in your land slot? Do you reckon uh, as a general rule, Chesh? Definitely. Yeah. Um, so the way I was looking at, it, I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, on one side it's a utility card that's slightly more expensive than you want it to be, but on the other side it's a tap land. Right, yeah. we already played too many tap lands in Commander. Did you say too many? But we we really did. oh yeah, man. I play Colony Garden, like, which is a tapped green land. It just gives you a zero one plant token. I just want the body sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It still gives you a zero one plant token, doesn't it? Yeah, and but it's a whole turn, like you say. We probably do go a bit slower than we yeah. need to, but anyway. But in saying that, if you can free up the spot in your deck to just like yeah sure so your your regrowth that you would usually play in this spot is one more mana you're probably going to do it just so that you can have the extra consistency yes, on the land exactly um so i don't really see a problem to and it. i think i mean when you when It'll you start be- to look at it that way you then free up some of those spots that are usually by default taken up by staples and effects you need in a general deck and then it lets you play more of the spicy things which is if whatever your mm-hmm. theme deck is now, crazy the doing, problem you know, that i see what's that um, which is something that we need to... The problem that I see that we need to take into consideration here um, is going to be, uh, as my brain just shuts off for no apparent reason... Ah, it's late on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Fetching. Trying to fetch this land via whatever means. You'll never be able to do it, right? No. Not, not a big issue, but the one thing to remember is that when this card is in your deck, it has to be face up, not face down. Yes which means that it is a sorcery, an instant, etc. while it is in your deck. Yes. That is the only problem that I foresee. Uh, you're never going to want to fetch these anyway, but if you're in a landfall deck, yeah. maybe you are. If your deck cares so about such things to take into exactly. consideration. If your deck cares about finding such effects or whatever. And, and the, the example there is almost the opposite, that the Vivictus Asmati deck I play really does care about permanence more than anything else. So I've actually been looking for the opposite, which is the, the type of effects on a permanent you'd usually have on a spell so it cares about lands but if there's that effect on a permanent you're you're laughing so theros had Mm -hmm. the um the kind of uncommon enchantments that do some effects like fetch a land for one more uh, one more mana and then you can sack them later that was a really good example of that and then also there was the the giant in uh throne of eldraine that basically fetches for three mana and then becomes a giant later with adventure so there's those kind of exactly. things. Then you can really maximize how many card types you've got. But it's worth thinking about how much does your deck care about card types and, and, and does that matter too much if you can't specifically fetch that land because it's a – as far as the, the library and the stack and stuff aren't a concern, I'm pretty sure. Like it doesn't care that it's a land on the back. It just cares about the front side. For sure. So last one I had, Jesh. This one's probably a lot more contentious. Uh, and again, there's so many other – like. 
just jump on Twitter. Everyone's having discussions about every kind of card here, but we'll just run through quite a few, you know, I think the ones that have tickled our fancy. But this one, Shivam even said today, I think, that he sees this being, you know, just the staple. You know, this is maybe the best EDH card in the set, and it's, you know what, I don't disagree. I think it's pretty darn crazy. So Thieving Skydiver is one and a blue for a 2-1 Merfolk Rogue with flying and kicker X. So you can dump whatever amount of mana you can uh, you want to into this uh, card, but because of the mechanic, it can't X cannot be zero. And that's that's a, not technically correct. What's that? Yeah, I was going to say. I was going to say, technically, no, that's not correct. You can't kick any amount of mana in. It has to be at least one, one mana. Exactly. And, and Just to be there's picky. a very, very or with this one, there is a very, very, very good reason why. Because when Thieving Skydiver enters the battlefield, remember, it's just a two mana, two one flying merfolk, which is a great rate, by the way. Uh, but when Thieving Skydiver enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, gain control of target artifact with converted mana cost X or less. If that artifact is an equipment, attach it to Thieving Skydiver. Initial thoughts? Uh, I think this is a really good card. It's fantastic. I look forward to playing it. Um, I really look forward to stealing Solrings Sol Rings for one. Like, easy. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, you can still take like, your zero at, mana. At the very things, worst, but, yeah. this is going to steal mana rocks. Yeah. At the very worst. Totally. Um, steal some Greaves, you know, that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's an easy one to do. Oh, steal some greaves and attach them for zero. Hello. Because that's a whole, um, you're not, that's a whole conundrum I always kind of get cloudy about. Stealing equipment or not stealing it if it's based on, uh, you're stealing a creature with some greaves on it. You don't own the greaves. So this one, you can literally steal the greaves and then uh, equip yeah. them willy nilly to whatever you want. So um, no, I think it's amazing. Yeah. Steal mana rocks, uh, steal whatever you want, essentially. I, I love effects like this. I love the card Fumble. I love Thyder Adele, and I think a lot of people are just realizing Thyder Adele You know, you Adele know why zero... What's that? You know why it can't be zero, right? Uh, you can't just steal... Mana Vault? Yeah, Mana Vault, exactly, like your, your moxes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But Kicker, as you said before, just can't be zero anyway, right? Yeah. Because... Well, no, Kicker can be zero because you're not paying Kicker. Well, that's what I mean, but you, you, it can't be yeah. zero this, and this then be registered says, as, as actually paying yeah. kicker. Well, this one specifically says that if you're playing this card with kicker, then you can't have kicker as zero. Yeah. And this one only says that because the value is colorless mana, Correct. I guess, rather than every, everything else by default has like a colored mana or a lot of other things anyway. Interesting. Well, I mean, it's more just because they don't want you to steal things that cost zero. Oh, exactly. But it's more that I didn't know if the rule existed because I don't know if there's been a card with the kicker being X colors mana before. So maybe, maybe that's it. Yeah, just I had think we've, we've had X. We've had X before. For sure. Oh, okay, fair enough. But yeah, still, I mean, bottom line seems like a wacky card. Uh, it's going to see some play for sure. So uh, pick them up. I think I'll be playing them in a ton of blue decks for sure. And it's regardless of Merfolk, Rogue, you know, uh, any kind of synergistic inclusions or anything like that. I think it's just going to be really, really cool. So, um, yeah. Actually, one last one, Chesh, because this one's pretty nutty. Uh, Leyline Tyrant, two red, red, creature dragon, flying, four, four. You don't lose unspent red mana as <laughs> steps and phases end. When Leyline Tyrant, Tyrant dies, you may pay any amount of red mana. When you do, it deals that much damage to any target. Apparently, we needed another one of these effects for some reason. Yeah, this one's just like a Death Star, though. It's good. Yeah, pretty it's much. Bang. It's pretty cool. So, Mythic Dragon. This always seems to be a good Mythic Dragon. So, uh, yeah, I mean, 
I think that rounds it. There's plenty of other to, other things to go into, but we'll we'll kind of continue to mm. keep the conversation going as we, uh, you know, as as more cards are uh, spoiled and, and unleashed. So, um, other than that, Chesh, anything you want to go through this week um, as far as uh, entertaining stuff at all? Uh, watching with Star Trek again. <laughs> Tony Hawk's Pro Skater when you can get to it. Yeah, when I can get to it, probably in a couple of I weeks. I think everyone's hype about that, yeah. I mean, keeping things pretty so video excited. game related, but um, that got some really good scores review-wise, and I think it's just been a nostalgia overload for a lot of people. So, um, yeah, let us know how that goes for sure. Oh, I will. Nice, nice. I'll, I'll still be playing Skater XL, which is my... Um, it didn't get reviewed very well, but I think it's it's got in that game what I want out of a skating game, which is mechanically, you know, tricky skating to get the handle of uh not many challenges to do or anything like that it's more of what you make the game so i just enjoy filming really cool lines and stuff like that uh in what is a really physics based uh simulation of skating so i'd recommend that to anyone who has any any skerrick of a uh, skating background to enjoy as a skating game so uh but until then we'll have to check out thps one plus two um as that just released and looks amazing so uh yeah anyway Good, good time to um, sign it off there, Chesh. Uh, where can the people find you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can find me at Cheshire Plays Games on Twitch, uh, on YouTube. You can find me at Cheshire Plays Games. Chesh Plays, uh, Cheshire Plays, I think, actually, sorry, uh, on Twitter. Uh, yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. How about nice, you? Nice, nice. Uh, you can find me at Pass the Jam Sam on Instagram and Twitter, and you can get in touch with the show at cmdrcrunch.fireside.com on as the website you can get uh, in touch on twitter at cmdr underscore crunch instagram is at cmdr crunch and send us any kind of uh, questions uh mail feedback uh, pictures of cephalids to cmdr crunch podcast at gmail.com so i think it's been a fun one chess you excited for bad zendies I, I, you know what? I actually am. Me too. I am Me too. excited because I think there's a lot of really cool commander pieces in exactly. here. Um, but I'm, I'm not so sure about standard. Yeah, we'll who see. knows? I mean, I don't, I just play my seagulls in standard and, and try and just surprise everyone off. The I'm just going to mill everyone with my head drunk crabs. Don't take it too seriously. But um, yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, until then, uh, we're going to be recording next weekend, I think, with Brandon. I think you've got booked in from Booster Tutor. Mm-hmm. Yep, Brandon from Booster Tutor. Really excited about that one. And then also, we're, um, if my so camera excited. gets here in time, we're going to be doing a good old Command of the Distancing. So, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be awesome fun. So, uh, with Nick from MTG Lexicon. Uh, Lexicon being the uh, the great friends of the show that they are. So, yeah, it's going to be an awesome time. going to be so good. Good times. Cannot wait. So, uh, until then... Thank you for listening yet again. You've been awesome, guys. Um, yeah, I'll just say may all your top decks be amazing, as I always recommend. But uh, any advice, Jesh? Uh, keep cracking packs and om nom 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 breakfast cereals. Exactly. Take care, folks. See ya. Bye.